All right, welcome everybody to episode 124 of the MX Vice Show. We have an action-packed show ready for you today as we build up to the MXGP of Spain and take stock on the state of play in MXGP after the recent round in Portugal. I'm Ed Stratman, your host, and the first part of the show is brought to you by Parts Europe. Parts Europe distributes spare parts, accessories, and rider equipment for all motorbike segments in Europe. We support the sport tagline is fortified through the Thor and Moose House brands and their support of world elite MX riders like Calvin Valandrin, Jorge Prado, Langenfelder, Guadagnini, Jonas, Bogers, and nine times world champion and Thor ambassador Tony Cairoli. Your Parts Europe dealer has access to all the big brands for your motocross enduro bike, Necken, Pro Circuit, FMF, ODI, Cycra, Rental, Recluse, and many, many more are ready in stock, ready to be shipped. Check out their website at partsyourup.eu or contact your local Parts Europe dealer. With a dealer network of over 10,000 shops, we're sure there is one close to you. All right, for this episode, we've got, we got the main man back, Lorenzo Resta, joins us again, fresh from the MXGP of Portugal, and he's ready for Spain. So how are you, mate? I'm very, very good. Thank you. And, uh, it's uh, It was a busy weekend, uh, tough, high temperatures, a lot of dust. I have to say that uh, the water in the shower every evening was like <laughs> completely red because we were covered from, from the dust. That's why probably they put so much water uh, before the races and some of the races were a little bit too muddy at the beginning. <laughs> but uh, at the end of the day, it was again completely, uh, yeah, really dusty. And uh, Saturday mostly, Saturday afternoon was a nightmare. Yeah, you, no, you did well, mate. It, uh, it looked like a bit of, it looked like got some nice warm weather too. Um, the temperatures were good. The, yeah, the track um, running in reverse, the layout, uh, a few mostly opinions were quite positive on that um just the mainly negative things with the track prep and um it was really hard track to find uh, the small margins needed to make the passes um yeah calvin mentioned that you're just giving it all just trying to make the smallest little percentages matter and you need something like prado almost falling off in front of you to, to make a pass almost so how was it from your perspective uh, with your insights being there um, I mean, first of all, Calvin did very well. He's sixth in the standings right now, and he did uh, the second best race of the season for him after Riola. What uh, what was really good. I mean, uh, it's uh, the best privateer on track, and uh, it's the second Yamaha on track. It was just behind Sewer. What makes uh, honestly has to be proud about because uh, it's not every day that you 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 get such a strong performance uh in the middle of uh, like 12 or 14 uh, factory rider mm, apart of this uh, i'm as i told you last time uh, my first time in agda was 2004 uh, that was the first time for uh i think for the gp of portugal alongside with ustream yeah. Uh, that time, uh, yeah, I remember when there with Mikael Pichon and Brian Jorgensen was the first victory for Mikael Pichon with Honda in MX1 class uh, after two victories, if I'm not wrong, uh, of Stefan Everts, talking about 101 victories. Uh, and uh, But a part of this, uh, I have to say that Agda, as they say, the Portuguese, as Agda, um, it's always been a really cool place. Uh, it's one, uh, one of my favorite uh, GP of the year. The weather can be really, really wrong uh, or bad uh, when it comes from the ocean, the rain comes from the ocean. But apart of this, most of the time is uh, sunshine, high temperatures. I mean, good temperatures like they the were this time. And even Sunday was a little bit more windy, so 
the hot was not that uh, uh, high for the riders and for us uh, working on track. Uh, I know don't so Agda since long time, and in the last couple of years it has changed a little bit because the and the, the soil is getting harder and harder, and that's a problem uh, that they have often around on circuits that are not ripped that uh, much and uh, and this makes it a little bit uh, more difficult for everyone because a lot of square bumps little square bumps a lot of uh, places where it's tricky to ride with uh, with a scoop tire even if i have to say honestly that the new pirelli scoop tire goes really well also where it is uh, hard pack uh, but for the start that is really soft and for other parts of the track you really need this tire Otherwise, it can be a nightmare if you if you start behind, then it's all your Jeffrey Erlings, or it's, uh, uh, I mean, really difficult. Uh, the reverse of the track works much, much better in, than in Arco di Trento. That's, I have to say. Uh, it's not necessary to reverse all the tracks in the world, yeah. because uh, some of them are really cool in that sense. For example, Majora or the tracks that we know very well. Yeah. But uh, this time it it have worked really really well. The track uh, till last year had some big downhills, really like rough, uh, really brutal, you know, and yeah. landing in the middle of a lot of uh, uh, ruts were not easy. Uh, many of the girls had uh, difficulties last year and uh, got injured after some crash. This yeah. year, of course, all those downhills were step up. And yeah. really cool step up, you know, like uh, mm. the one where you can just manage with your throttle to arrive precisely on the top of the hill. And yeah. and the track was cool. You had a couple of places where you can breathe uh, during a huge jump or take away your lenses or whatever. Yeah. But And, and it's, it's helpful. Uh, for example, the big jump in front of the crowds before the finish line. This one, I was talking with Simon Langefelder, for example, oh, yeah. and he told me you can scrub on it and do it uh, a little bit more low and you gain a little bit and you are a little bit more too fast. Uh, I mean, faster. But if you need to breathe, if you need to take rest, if you need to shake your arm, it's okay to jump high. You don't lose so much yeah, and you get relaxed before uh, approaching the, the next uh, couple of corners. So, uh, is really there's a good rhythm, but mostly there is a fantastic flow now. Yep. So this is perfect for a quick lap time, a fast lap time. In the race where all those super good riders are riding almost the same speed, yeah. it makes not so easy for to pass. That's it's uh, the problem of the track. And to me, they put so much water, too much water before, for example, the EMX125 race, before the um, MX2 race one. That was too much, too much. Uh, it was a, a muddy race where many little mistakes can happen. But a part of this, I have to say that I really liked. The track was okay. Yeah, it was it was a pretty cool weekend, sort of watching it, and um, yeah, obviously the track, yeah, they really had to be uh, like focused and concentrated the whole time, um, just being quite fast on the limit because yeah, you had to work so hard to get your moves done, and there was lots of yeah. cool riders doing really cool things on the bike with different balances and and feet movements, yeah. and just that that bit at the top of the hill where they would swing the back tire around so fast, and yeah, yeah it was 
it was pretty awesome, mate. And the bumps got really, really nasty as uh, I was speaking to Simon like you did and and Calvin. They were saying, yeah, the bumps were quite quite brutal. And yes. obviously with the with the sort of, even though it wasn't the home race, I guess you can say it kind of like a second home race for guys like Prado and Fernandez. Um, how did you feel yeah. the fan atmosphere and the vibe? It looked quite uh, good. That was the, just that in was general, really the sport's cool. looking quite good. The attendances are, are good and they're doing yeah. the behind the gate series. So the growth in MXGP is... It's, everything's looking on the right track. The racing's good. The promotion's good. The the TV's good. Um, we were just speaking with Calvin and said that that he had a section in that, and it's really good that they put it on YouTube. But I was saying, obviously, I, I I'm all right because I have access to MXGP TV. But in Australia, you can't watch that. Um, obviously, they I think they have a TV deal with an Australian pay TV MXGP, so that might be why. But um, it's not completely accessible to everyone. But yeah, just in general, the sport's good, and you saw that with the fans on the weekend, mate. Yeah, it was uh, honestly for me the weekend started very well because uh, I started recording the behind the gate, so yeah. I will be on the next one. <laughs> That's oh, was, cool. uh, quite cool for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but a part of this, I'm just joking. But it's uh, it's always cool. Um, it was the atmosphere was fantastic. Uh, in general, this year we saw almost every race uh, full attendance, uh, a lot of crowds coming there, and uh, it was honestly really, really. Cool. Of course, now you have the most uh, are Spanish fans because, uh, like the hometown of uh, Jorge and most and and more than this, uh, Ruben are closer to Agda than to Induk Sanadu next week, yeah. next weekend. So they they come there. It's cheaper for them. It's closer, and they come there. So honestly, the, I think eighty percent of the flags were from uh, Galicia or Spain. Yeah. You see number 61 and 70 everywhere. And every time like Ruben or Jorge were fighting for a position, you heard a lot of, Ooh, yeah! and that was cool. Because when you hear with all the noise of the bikes, it means that the, the crowds are really loud. And that this is always cool, you know, like in a football stadium. And, uh, and it gives that kind of atmosphere that normally you find only in few spots like Erne for the nation so stuff like that so this is was uh, this was really really cool uh people were there a lot on saturday but sunday was completely full and uh, they don't have any more uh, a rider to cheer for the, the portuguese because at that time i remember uh, rui gonzalves that was uh, also a rider in the team where i was working on um uh, it was really popular there. And uh, every time we had a GP there, they were crazy for him. Uh, as Agda, Capital Mundial do Motocross, uh, Rui Gonzalves. And uh, the people were crazy about this, you know. Yeah. They took him in the middle of the starting line, talking uh, with the microphone. And now there are no Portuguese riders mm -hmm. anymore in MX1, MX2, I mean, MXGP, MX2 European Championship. Uh, the movement of the motocross in Portugal is going down, down, down. I think mm. it's really expensive sport. Yeah. And in the past, in, in the last years, probably um, the road race was growing a little bit more yeah. with uh, um, plenty of tracks like Portimao that uh, have uh, international events. But it's, uh, it's strange because, you know, when you have uh, the president of the International Federation, FIM, that is from Portugal, mm. you expect probably more investments in uh, in all 
the sports. They yeah. are good now in rally ride because Rui is riding that, and you have a uh, few others good athletes that are riding uh, in uh, rally ride in Dakar or similar. But uh, still, nobody in motocross, and it's a bit of shame because. Uh, but anyway, the atmosphere is always cool. The paddock is uh, was pretty good because uh, no rain, so it was completely dry. And it's a kind of relaxed uh, one. So it's uh, it's really cool. Yeah, it looked like a lot of fun, mate. And um, talking about the MXGP class, obviously a pretty cool thing to witness. Um, Jeffrey Hurling's getting that 101st win to tie with Everts. And yeah, he sort of looks like he's sort of released the shackles a bit, mate, and he's going for it now. He's sort of managed everything, done those races, built up the the base and the intensity and he's he's looking pretty formidable especially in that second one wasn't he yeah it's uh, this this is honestly something uh amazing i mean jeffrey we know that he's an animal we know that he's a race animal that uh, he will give everything at the right moment uh he's strange to say but he he, he did his first whole shot of the year in mm-hmm. the qualifying race and he lost the victory because uh, Rui, I mean Rui, Fernandez, Ruben, yeah. was so good. Uh, yeah. And he had a completely different line in the middle of uh, in the middle section of the track. It was quicker. It was doing the downhill and the uphill better than him with better lines. And every time he was getting closer and closer and closer at the right spot where then he, he decided to make the move and to pass. And yeah. then it was not possible for Jeffrey to pass back. Mm. Uh, but... Jeffrey was studying, was following, and he saw where Ruben was passing. So I don't know if it was a kind of mistake to do this move in the qualifying race and not keep it, you know, in the pocket for the yeah. the, the races on Sunday. <laughs> Maybe, but it's difficult then to manage with this, you know, when you see that you can beat Jeffrey Erlings and what do you do? You say, no, no, I'm waiting. No, the crowds were there. Everyone yeah. was cheering for him. And so he did it. He won. It was a really good race, honestly, a good victory for him uh, and solid points, of course. But then Jeffrey in the first moto was OK. He was doing a good race uh, with some pass. And in the second moto, it was wild, honestly, because in the first moto, he was able to recover a lot. Uh, he was coming back like 12 seconds on Fevre, what yeah. is not common. But he was pushing so much and recovering also on Prado was first. In the second moto, uh, it was a bit different. Uh, it was him to dictate the pace and to make the, the 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 rhythm of the race, and then it was honestly difficult for everyone to follow. So I have to say that if you ch- just I made a check on on the statistics, uh, uh, the man who made it mo- the most out of the second moto is Jeffrey. Uh, he has more points than everybody else in the second moto with a huge gap. Huh? The difference, like with Prado, is big. Yeah, uh, of course, Prado did it best, did it uh, better than anyone else in the first moto, as he won five out of five yeah. motos. So yeah. Nobody could make better. But I was surprised to look at who did the most in the qualifying practice, in the qualifying race. Yeah, because to me it was surprising. I mean. Um, a friend of mine, Pascal Odiger, he said, ah, you know, that is Roman Fevre who did better yeah. than anybody. I said, come on, no, it's not possible. It's Prado, he's always doing he good. Is. No, for one point, 37 to 36, is Roman better than anybody else in qualifying race? And this give you also why he's there in third place, uh, uh, also because he's doing a very, very consistent race. But coming back on Jeffrey, 
yeah. who I said I started saying is an animal. Um, it's it's curious to see that uh, he probably since ten years would have all his efforts on coming to this number, beating uh, Stefan Everts. There was something. I don't know, a kind of rivality, kind of uh, he wanted to beat this number. This was his main goal ever. Much more than the 10 titles. Of course, he could have 10 titles without all these yeah. those injuries. But for him, the target was 101 victories. Uh, probably 102, of course. But uh, in the press conference, the first things he said it was yes i'm i'm now equal in victories but i i want more motors yeah. so, <laughs> it, it tells you a lot about the animal you know yeah. it's it's a winner it's a it's a kind of uh, a beast that want to to destroy everything to win everything and he is he's always hungry for for more for more victories for more uh, and it's amazing. I don't. I, I was working, as you know, a long time with Tony Cairoli and with other really good riders like uh, Bobrychev, Nagel, or uh, also many riders of the, the Carly team. I was nearby. I was working as a team manager with Livia Lancelot when uh, she won the title in 2016. All the riders that I knew, they don't know nothing about the numbers and the statistics. Or yeah. Jeffrey know everything about yeah. the statistics. You know every single moto Tony won and every single moto he won, uh, Stefan won, everything. He's really a man of the numbers. And it's also really strange when, when uh, you think to a rider that is getting so wild on track and putting all these efforts and to ride and ride and ride. This kid is studying since years and years since when he was a kid, yeah. uh, the statistics. Uh, and in his mind, the target is to beat the numbers. Yeah. So I'm thinking I think that it will keep going on. It will not yeah. stop at one or two because that's, of course, not enough to win the championship this year. But somehow it's a little bit more relaxed now. He, he, he did yeah. his job, you know what I mean? Uh, but in the second moto, we saw it in Riola, we saw it in Arco di Trento. Now again uh, in the second moto in uh, um, Agda, uh, it means that probably is the most, uh, is the fittest rider out there. Is yeah. the better trained and physically is in fantastic condition, but they care. I don't want to say that, for example, Jorge is not fit. It's yeah. a question also, I think, of physical limits. Uh, Jorge, uh, it's really one of the hardest worker I knew and I met in my career. And it's, of course, one guy that will never give up on training. He's working with a kind of precision or kind of uh, uh, dedication that uh, is not common. But I think that there is physically a kind of uh, somehow limit uh, that Jeffrey doesn't have. And uh, and this can make the difference on the long distance. That's why uh, when Orge starts pretty well in the first moto, it's quite unbeatable. This year it is unbeatable. Yeah. But in the second moto, three times sixth and two times third yeah. it's not an average that gives you the title eh? that's uh, it's something that he will have to deal with uh, maybe Spain it will be different uh, depends about the temperature uh, Jorge doesn't like the high temperatures he never liked uh, in Portugal I remember 2018 he gets retired because of the temperature when he was he was leading in the first moto and then he went down, 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 dropping down, retired, no second moto, for example. I think mm. it was 2018. Uh, I don't want to say it wrong, maybe 17. But uh, 
17, because I think 18, he was winning. 18, 19, 20, 20 22. Yes, three times. That's right, yeah. GP. So it was 2017. And when he was moving to the De Carli team, he was changing his training completely. In 2018, he won both motos. So that was the huge difference. 2017 was an even able to start the second moto. 2018, he won both motos in MX2. So, uh, as I said, I don't want to say that uh, the others are not fit and not training hard and not working hard. Absolutely not. But Jeffrey has a kind of uh, talent, physical talent, mm. if I can call it like this, that is different and is coming out really at the second moto, maybe mostly at the end of the second moto. And I saw another rider doing this, you know, during the weekend. Uh, of course, on a different level, of course, with different rivals. But Andrea Bonacorsi yeah. did it, the best lap time of the race, yeah. the last lap, yeah. without the clutch. Yeah, it was hanging off after, My after God. the cops hit. There was at Rossi, wasn't it? And just smashed yes. into him and they clashed, put the red yeah. crowd off. Yes. And and you know, when he, he stopped the bike, he, it's because he forgot that he didn't add the, the clutch. So yeah. he stopped yeah. the bike. Took 13 seconds to yeah. restart, yeah. and he was able to come back to pass a couple of riders, and to come back in third. And then he was gaining like hell. It was record at every kind of sector, sector, and yeah. last lap was record again. So Andrea is in a fantastic moment. He's doing pretty, pretty well, yeah. winning everything. He won, uh, I think, uh, one, two, three, four motos out of six. Yeah. One was for Valerio, one was for Marc Antoine Rossi. Yeah. But uh, for the rest, he was uh, third one time and second another time. Yeah. So he's, he's incredible. Yeah. yeah. And that and that lap time is, wasn't just like a fast lap time. It was like, you know, one and a half seconds better than, you know, kind of the yeah. next best guy. So he's just quite yeah. incredible with the way that clutch was hanging. And yeah, the, he's yes. clearly just the man. But that was that was some of the best racing of the weekend, the AMX 250s. It was, it was yeah, actually honestly, really good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and unlucky for was it was an unlucky weekend for Valerio Latta. Yeah, who was back because again we had two Italians on the podium with yeah. with Zanki Ferruccio doing a pretty yeah. well race, really nice, but uh, it it was not good for Valerio at all because he got injured in the free practice. Yeah, so he crashed with the bike and the bike uh, went on him. He had uh, a knee uh, uh, problem, uh, quite quite strong problem. And he was able to to ride the, the practice, but finishing like in tenth. And then he went two times ten in the races, but just suffering a lot, yeah. taking back home an eighth place overall uh, with twenty two points. If I'm not wrong, that is uh, uh, still third in the championship, but it will be really tough uh, also in Spain because landing on the jumps is really painful for him, yeah. as the knee is sore and is a bit swelling. And uh, but anyway, uh, racing races are like that, you know. Yeah, we might we might touch on the EMX again later because it actually that's there's a really good race yeah. going on there. And yeah, like you said, um, going into the weekend, Prado and Febre were level on qualifying points. Um, when I did a little bit of a look, I was a bit surprised at that really. But yeah, it's sort of it's the difference between just banking them and yeah, Jorge had that one bad one. But yeah, it's certainly throwing a bit of a in the mix. That that's for sure. But yeah, I, I like um, Febre is obviously riding really well too. I think um, yeah. the results maybe aren't quite reflecting how well he's going, but he's. He had a he had a good weekend, good points haul. Um, he could, I just love watching him push hard, and he just tries so much, and he's hanging off the bike, and he's just trying to just squeeze every ounce that he can to to close yeah. in on those guys and to get the win, just like in Switzerland where he was 
probably the fastest guy for sure, even though Maxine and won. he was he so pissed fast. off on the podium. Oh. <laughs> you could see from his faces how much he was pissed off, and he was in front of his uh, uh, team owner because yeah. Kimi Raik was there, and he could even look at him from the podium because he was really ashamed for these results, and this also tells you a lot. Uh, uh, about how much uh, they really want, you know, yeah. to to succeed, and uh, and Roman is one of the most terrible uh, on this. Is one guy that really yeah. wants, and and he's doing well. Huh? He's doing really well. I asked him in the press conference uh, in about his first moto when he saw Jeffrey coming back, and uh, for sure they will uh, from the pit lane uh, give him the board, the pit board with uh, uh, the the. Um, the gap from uh, from Jeffrey and I said, how did you manage when you see the gap getting shorter and shorter? And it's a kind of track where you see crossing the lines with your rival, so you know how close he is. Yeah. And he said that wasn't easy, but yeah, I was uh, keeping some uh, energy for for the end of the race just to try to avoid the, uh, that he was too close. But is uh, the, the kid is smart. He's uh, probably not the funniest on in the paddock, uh, as yeah. uh, it's really serious. But I mean, everyone has his own character. But is is a kind of uh, of rider that really wants wants so much. Like yeah. another one that didn't have so much uh, a good weekend. Uh, that uh, was uh, Maxim Renault, yeah. who lost Master. his third place in the championship with his. I think the biggest rival because between French they should not like each other so much. I think, yeah, yeah. and uh, and you know, uh, Roman is a kind of old generation we can say because he won his title already eight years ago. Yeah, uh, while uh, Maxime is still one of the youngest uh, in in uh, GP. so it's kind of two generation of riders. Um, somehow a kind of similar character for what concerned the commitment and yeah. the will to succeed. But on the other side, um, Maxim, maybe because he, he grew also in an Italian team uh, for a long time, as also Roman did eh, with Yamaha, but, uh, but uh, Maxim is a little bit more open. He's a kind of rider that has fun, is yeah. you talk with him, he's really open to talk, and yeah. but as the the goggles are on the ice, I think that uh, they're quite similar on track. Yeah, they'd certainly. Yeah, someone like Fevre, like you were saying with Hurling's, just that relentless drive to keep performing, to keep you know getting into the veteran stages, and they they just want it so much. They want to. They just say live for yeah. it. You know, that's you wonder how those yes. guys go when they retire. So, but yeah, looking yeah. at uh, Maxime, he looked very angry, um, didn't he, with the bike? Or you see the TV footage with him, sort of like at really animated and looking very unhappy. So. Yeah, you see yeah. they they put all, they put all their efforts in, and then you you see you see if something goes doesn't goes right, it, it's a massive um, challenge to deal with. Did you sort of hear any mumblings about what was going on there? <laughs> yeah, Maxim is like that, you know. It's uh, he, he will never, never, never accept uh, to fail uh, if it's not for for a mis uh, his mistake or yeah. his. Uh, so it's uh, and after the 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 problem yes in the. Uh, in in the quali race, uh, while he was forced to retire, uh, he get to this gate that was honestly really difficult. Agda is uh, one of the tracks where the first five seven gates are really much better than the outside. 
it's honestly quite impossible to do a, a fantastic start from the outside in Agda. And, and this is uh, it's a little bit of pain because when, when you are in a good shape, you are doing well, and you are in a good moment, uh, uh, the bike broken, and his, his weekend was probably messed up from this uh, yeah. moment, I think. Yeah, it was it was not good to see, but he's sort of yeah, what he's sitting um forty four back forty four back on Prado, so yeah, Prado's still holding seventeen points over Hurlings, but um it's still manageable. But yeah, that top four's definitely um sort of cleared off a little bit. But yeah, you must we're pretty happy with Ruben's weekend. Obviously, won the qualifying race. Love yep. the love that kind of a track, doesn't he? Loves that harder stuff. Um, much more in his wheelhouse, wasn't it? You could tell that he was enjoying it and, and feeling it, wasn't he? Yeah, he was completely enjoying the track. Of course, he's not a sand rider. We we yeah. saw in, uh, in Mariola was his nightmare, his worst GP of the year uh, so far. Um, it's a kind of rider uh, that uh, probably the one that has grown more than the others during the winter time, um, riding alongside with uh, um, with team, testing with team, having uh, this HRC squad uh, alongside with him. On or behind him gives him really uh, a plus value. You can see clearly that the bike is fantastic. Uh, mm. The performance of the bike is amazing uh, um, because it's it's doing well in every condition, even in the sand. Uh, he probably wanted a little bit too much because he was coming from a victory in uh, uh, in Argentina, and so that's why he was uh, uh, so committed and. Have, without his teammate in the team, there's a kind of double uh, double value. I mean, on one hand, uh, all the pressure is on him. Uh, yeah. All the but I don't think that is so much because, first of all, they're really good in managing this kind of situation in Honda. Uh, nobody will put pressure on him. I'm sure about. I know Marcus Pereira de Freitas since twelve years, uh, twenty years this year. Yeah. So. I know the way he is. I know the way the team is is managing with the riders. Um, uh, difficult to find a better place uh, in the paddock. So I'm thinking that he's even still in a position where he don't have a teammate uh, so good like his team. Mm. And w when he win, uh, it's a kind of fantastic result. Going on the podium is a superb result. With his teammate there, Probably without problems, I mean, without kind of uh, uh, strange uh, situations, Tim will be always or almost always in front of him. Yeah. So taking a spot, you know, in the, in the, uh, in the, on the podium or on the standings. Um, so I think that he has more to gain than to lose ahead without yeah. uh, without Tim on track at the moment. Uh, so it's kind of perfect year for him to perform well, to show how good he is, to show all the improvements that he, he has done. I remember Ruben riding in MX2 a couple of years ago. Honestly, it was so risky. It was unbelievable. <laughs> At every corner, he could crash, and sometimes he was crashing two, three times per lap, and it was a disaster. Even if he was still one of the fastest, the quickest riders out there, but he was just making confusion. Now it's not anymore. Yeah. This kind of situation. He has grown a lot. He's much more mature, and he know how to manage the pressure. And his speed is fantastic. I, I saw him yeah. riding in Internazionale d'Italia, and in practice, is still one of the 
fastest and rider out there and and honestly i'm i'm, I'm thinking that uh, now with spain he can do yeah. very well then we have french at the 20 or 21st of uh, uh, may again he can do really well yeah and okay we have kegums uh, we have to see how is the condition yeah. of the kegums is really can be something not similar but somehow closer to argentina than to riola but it's a special track, a special place where if you like and you perform well, that's fantastic. Yeah. But it's not the results can change always. Then I think we'll see during the season. But the next few GPs are quite good for him. So I'm ready to see him on the podium a couple of times. Yeah, I must say he's doing well. Um being under the tent by himself. Um yeah, the, he's handling himself very well, very focused. Um looks like he's maturing pretty well and the disciplines. Yeah getting there and he's sort of leveling oh he's still so young so to, to be placed in and that he's a kind of with... uh, really easy guy you know not at yeah. all a superstar not at all as you can talk with him people can stop him and talk yeah. and honestly his, his father is always there really nice uh, it's a kind of cool ambient for, with them yeah yeah and it must be interesting um just speaking to calvin obviously he doesn't he doesn't have a teammate either and he said it was um an interesting way to look at it. I just asked him, you know, is it weird not having someone like your AJ to talk about the track, to talk about the lines, uh, just to keep the environment, environment or the atmosphere a little bit light. Cause you know, it's pretty heavy, especially on those weekends. And but yeah, Calvin was saying he obviously spends a lot of time with the Hudson metal guys and his trainer and, and who works with them and he's, you know, trains with Bonacorsi and, and those guys. Um, So he sort of uses that as a way to talk about um tracks and, and different lines to take and just, analyze himself and use a bit of video and so obviously Ruben would be doing something similar I'd imagine but yeah he, they have all obviously the resources to help him and and stuff but it's an interesting dynamic um you hear about because having a teammate um certainly would help if you get along with them obviously the more competitive you get the probably the less you share but some of those yeah. little, some of those bigger teams or medium-sized teams um they'd be doing all they can to just figure out every all those extra little points to elevate and they those tenths of a second, they add up over a lap, don't they? Yeah, and it looks like it's a kind of situation that is uh, more and more frequent. Mm, I mean, you, you have it much more than in past. For example, yeah. uh, Paturelli is also alone by himself mm. as a, a dealer who makes uh, yeah. uh, the team just for him. Uh, same with Utan, Utan Metal. is uh, uh, alone with, uh, with the mechanics. Uh, I mean, Calvin is doing everything by himself. Um, in this case, I think it's a little bit more difficult because normally in teams like that, your teammate is uh, at your level, I have to yeah. say. You know, like Bogers and uh, uh, Jonas. Uh, uh, okay, Jonas is our champion uh, and he was probably thinking about a different career in front of him uh, mm. at the beginning when he was champion uh, uh, in the youngest categories and then uh, he was champion uh, in uh, in MX2. Uh, everyone was thinking about a different kind of uh, um, career with uh, much more victories or whatever. Still one of the best riders out there. Yeah. Struggling a little bit more this year. He's... Probably. You got any insights? Obviously, we haven't heard too much from the standing construct. Um, obviously, the switch to Honda hasn't gone as planned because they, you know, especially Bogas last year was amazing, and and Jonas. Yeah. Even. You look back at um, they were both very good in Portugal last year, for example. Um, it's been yeah. sad, it's been a bit sort of sad seeing them not do so well. Um, obviously they haven't had the you know, the issues with the bike and the transition hasn't been smooth. But yeah, we haven't really heard much from them, and it's it's not usual to see them struggling like this, is it? 
Yeah, and and it's it's a str- it's strange because if you see the other Ondas, they're doing mm. pretty well. Yeah. And, uh, if you look at Gio, Gio had yeah. a fantastic weekend uh, in Switzerland in Arco di Trento. He was riding. Uh, a couple of times this weekend, really good also in Portugal. Mm. And uh, they're getting results and the preseason and the national championship is going really, really well. Also for um, um, Brent Van Donning. Yeah. So there are plenty of Hondas that are quite good out there. Uh, but again, it's a little bit strange to see because in past uh, we had uh, some top teams, factory teams, that could just uh, win or going for the victories, and the other were really far away. Mm. And those days is a bit different because in the smallest teams in the private earth, you have good riders because there are a lot of spots, of course, but not so many, and so many good riders. Uh, so you have riders like Jonas, that is a world champion, and he doesn't have a factory ride, yeah. so it's in the private team. Uh, you have other other riders that are in the same condition, and uh, and these tell you a lot about uh, how it's different compared to the past years, where you had three, four, five, yeah. sometimes world champions. I remember earlier two thousand when you had Stefan Evers, Joel Smets, Michael Pichon, and sometimes that's all three yeah. world champions. Uh, the other were good riders like Josh Coppins, like uh, very good riders. I mean. Yeah. Uh, not world champions. Now on track, if you count the titles you have on 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 the on the grid, it's yeah. amazing. You take the first fifteen, you have probably ten world champions. What is not common at all? Because uh, uh, there's Jeffrey Ellings, there is Roman Fevre, there is Maxime Renault, there Brado. is uh, Rado. There's plenty of them. Yeah, there yeah. is Geyser. There well, is no. yeah. So yeah. it's wow. I mean. So many, yeah. and in future will be even more because while girls will uh, will go yeah. there, we will jump on, on the main class next year. It will be another title contender, I think, since the beginning. I mean, yes. one of those guys that can go on the podium every weekend. The ride of girls this weekend was superb. Mm. He's the only man at the moment who did sixty points in a weekend, and yeah. it's the second time he's doing yeah. it. Yeah. And one time it was just close for three points, you know, he did 57. And he's mm. the only one at the moment. So it's amazing. And it's not only because the level of MX2 is not good as before. The level of MX2 no. is really good. Yeah, it is. But you saw how he was riding in the, at the nation in Red Bud. This kid is ready for the 450. Just wanted yeah. this title so much in MX2 and then he will move on. And we will see another, another ride. And... Who knows? Maybe someone will come back from from America one day. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. It would be so cool to have uh, uh, alongside with Jeffrey Ellings uh, the little uh, Tom Vial with a four fifty. Yeah, I have to say that this would be really cool. I mean, I hope it will succeed in America. I hope it will find its way in America. Yeah, but I have, if I have to be really honest, I really hope that one day he's back riding in uh, MXGP because uh, they miss a lot in KTM. This kid, they miss yeah. really a lot. Yeah, he's, he's incredible, and the Supercross hasn't gone so well, but he should be right up there for outdoors. Um, obviously it yeah. won't be that easy with learning the tracks, but I think he, he he'll he's one he'll be one of the top five, top three. Yeah, not easy sure, to but... manage with the Lawrence brothers in uh, mm. in outdoor. Eh? Not easy at all. Yeah. Because, 
those kids are wild. Yeah, that's uh, impressive. And then you obviously got to worry about yeah, Justin Cooper and Shimoda yeah. and Kitchen. It's like yeah, the list is uh, it's pretty good, isn't it? Mcadoo and Hampshire. Like, so yeah. it should be good. But um, just switching it um back, that's a, a good point yeah. you made there about just the amount of quality in the class and um obviously with Ducati and Triumph coming in the future um it would be good to see some more guys get factory seats and probably paid what they should for doing such a dangerous sport because um yeah i think that's one of the the issues mxgp a lot of the riders that have uh, left or are struggling for rides on the non-factory teams it's um it's it's not yeah. as easy as uh, as it should be so but yeah it's a, it's probably a question for another day but have you got some thoughts on it quickly now yeah, honestly, we were talking this uh, in in the Red Bull station right this weekend about yeah. the uh, the riders for Triumph in MX2 because uh, they should be on the gate next year. Yeah. Next year is there already. I mean, uh, yeah. we are 14 GPs uh, to the end of this season, but you cannot search for your riders at the end of the championship. So I'm pretty sure that they are looking around mm. eight riders, two riders. Uh, uh, for 2024, I am not think that they will take two really young rider without experience or two second choice rider because they need to prove immediately how good is their mm. bike. They took um, Clement de Salle as a test rider, what is really, really good because this kid uh, was sticking so well with the team at that time. Shiza uh, Sutsoni. Uh, Thierry Shizasudoni is a, a really good man, is a really good manager, put a lot yeah. of efforts and passion in uh, the job he's doing. And the proof is that most of his mechanics, they didn't keep the team. They didn't leave the team. They are still in the team. They decided they accepted to stand for two years without working in MXGP okay. or in MX2. They didn't accept to switch on uh, Ice One team because... Yeah. Uh, they said we want to keep staying in our family because that team is a kind of family. They're getting paid, of course. So it's uh, an interesting situation. Oh, but cool. I was thinking about who can ride there yeah. because they're plenty of riders. So it's time to start looking a little bit at the contracts, who is ending his contract, who is coming up from a European 250 really good. Yeah. Uh, for example, there's a place for Bonacorsi yeah. in the factory team Yamaha. No. Why? Because maybe they want to keep, uh, um, of course, they would like to keep uh, Beniston and Elzinga, who is doing pretty well for his first season. If they don't have a third spot there, maybe Andrea can switch and then switch on a factory bike. And yeah. uh, his strength, his body, his qualities, I think one of the kids that uh, can do well with a kind of bike. Uh, but it's interesting. So uh, just for me, it's just a kind of idea. I, I don't, I don't know nothing about. But it could be interesting to see who they will uh, will go riding for Triumph next year, and then Ducati, because then one year after the factory uh, Triumph will uh, also enter MXGP, and uh, in America also they will do the same, two fifty and then four fifty. But uh, Ducati, again, I know who is behind. I know the man who is behind. Uh, uh, at the moment, the structure. I know that they were trying to already take a major team, yeah. complete from oh. already existing and transforming it in Ducati. Maybe based on the fact that they have the same color, red. But uh, uh, they, they for the moment they didn't. They could not. So they will build up 
probably a team, maybe. But I know the man who is behind all the story. And uh, it would be really interesting to see because you know better than me that it's not enough to take two riders and having a good bike. You need a test rider. You need yeah. to build up a test team. You need a good team on the on the on the on the tracks uh, for the championship you need plenty of things it's not so easy today to build up a factory team uh in past was a bit easier and uh, now it's much more complicated but it's even more interesting because then it will be also kind of sort of movement of mechanics techniques engineers riders and plenty of uh of people uh, that work already in mxgp yes maybe some coming from the road race huh? Uh, for example, in Ducati, they have uh, kind of four or five mechanics in MotoGP that come straight from MXGP. Eh? So uh, they were working in motocross. Two of them, I know they work directly in Ducati factory team with Bagnaia. Uh, yeah. One is working in a testing team from Aprilia. Another one yeah. is uh, Bolin's... Uh, uh, um, technician at the moment uh, and they were all working in the same team on the Martin and many of them they come also from Yamaha or other teams and other realities and they work in MotoGP so for example maybe Ducati can decide to take one of them back to, to motocross yeah. if you will accept. I'm not sure about but uh, so it would be interesting to see all the movement so the silly season will be for many not only for riders <laughs> yeah that's cool to hear mate it's um it's exciting and obviously with the, some really good italian young riders they'll be looking to get a couple of them into their team and obviously coming through amx we've spoken about the the, the nice group of talent down there so it's definitely be exciting and um i think the whole silly season in general this year is going to be pretty um pretty tasty isn't yeah. it with so many contracts up and um we we'll sort of wait for the the pieces to fall now won't we yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I was just thinking something that have mm, nothing to do with what we are saying, but uh, how bitter is uh, the taste in your mouth when you think about Tim Geyser staying at home and not being in this kind of mood at the moment? Because mm. Jeffrey's back. Jeffrey's back, definitely. And he's not yet the Jeffrey at his best, but it's Jeffrey's back. Prado yeah. is doing his best season out there. Roman yeah. is doing his best first part of the season, even better than when he was world champion. Yeah. Uh, okay, Seward not, that uh, to be honest, Seward not, but Seward is the man of the end of the season. Ruben is doing a fantastic season. Many guys are doing very well. And it's such a mess to don't have team in this, you know, uh, mixing with them. And uh, it would be so exciting to see a GP. Now we're also team guys are in the middle. Oh, yeah. Of course, yeah. we will see First or, or, or later, but maybe in a month. Do you think maybe a month or so we'll get Tim back? Yeah, I think I think it will be possible. There are not many news going around. Uh, yeah. Sometimes I think okay, I should send him a message or know how it is going. But you know, I also know that the riders in those moments are really focused on recovery. And uh, when you journalist, it's always a kind of strange position that maybe if they think you want to know, so you write, so you have the scoop. So yeah. I will send him a message just to say, hey, mate, how are you? I don't want to know when you come back. Just hope how that you're you? doing well, something like that, you know. But it's it's a mess that is not right there at the moment because it could be so good to, to see yeah. all this mix together. Yeah, back to what we were saying before about how well uh, you know, motocross and supercross, obviously the title 
challenges in Supercross was amazing until last weekend by the look of it. And MXGP yeah. is amazing. And then we've got World Supercross coming, outdoors coming. Um, there's just so much good stuff going on in the world of, uh, I guess, motocross. Um, so getting Tim back would be another thing to he'll throw a be a little bit of a um, difference maker, a destroyer at the end of the season when um, guys are looking to get points. He'll um, throw a cat amongst the pigeons for sure. And I wanted to get your take, obviously, firstly on Jeremy, a little bit of an improved weekend, I guess you could say. Doesn't yeah. really doesn't really feel right saying it for getting that result, but um, it was just good to see him riding um, and not having too many dramas because that's that's sort of been the story of his season. And obviously, Mattia Guadagnini, another, another guy who's sort of coming, building nicely, but... The, the the results didn't reflect his speed again. I feel like same as Calvin yeah. this weekend. They probably deserved more, but it's just that class is so difficult. So, um, your thoughts yeah. on those guys? Yeah, so Mattia. Starting with Mattia. Mattia is in a good moment. He's in a very good shape. He's training well and physically is really good. Um, he was paying a little bit, couple of little mistakes he did. Uh, one was really silly because uh, it was a shame to to uh, he had such a good start they were yeah. one and two okay the rhythm is not there still the rhythm on the first three two three laps uh, he has still to work a lot on on that because this is this makes difference today or you again or you jeffrey that you are coming back at the end of the moto or better to build up your first part of the race like uh, prado do um so he lost a few positions and then he had a little uh uh, slip away, he crashed, and that's a shame because uh, then it's so difficult to come back. You don't come back again if you are not no. Jeffrey or something like that. So, uh, it's his starts have been he's, he's getting those really good starts. I feel just capitalizing on those starts and the mistakes. Um, yes. is the thing, and and actually, I was just doing a little bit of um, sort of research, and it's about it's almost a year since he uh made the switch to MXGP. So, I guess he's kind of yep. had a full season now. So, he, yes. you can definitely see that he's kicking on and he's. He's ad- adjusting and feeling more comfortable and getting some more consistency going. Absolutely. And I think he's so close to the top five, but yeah. this top five is so busy that if you make a little mistake, you're done. Yeah. I mean, you see uh, this weekend, uh, talking about uh, Jeremy, he was riding good, didn't make mistakes. He was doing pretty solid, uh, but he didn't make for the podium no. because space wasn't for the podium. So I had the chance to fly back uh, in Rome with uh, Jackie Vimon, who is his trainer and who knows him very, very well. And it was interesting to to hear from him that, uh, yeah, Jeremy is building back something. He's coming back, building again the confidence with everything. Probably everyone was expecting too much from him. Yeah, Every, And when uh, then um, team get injured, probably the picture was looking too easy. Uh, it's never easy. Uh, he did. He had honestly some bad luck moments. He had some couple of huge mistakes, big mistakes. But now he's building back. Uh, what is interesting is to see that uh, he probably had made a kind of reset, and now is saying, "Okay, I will not try to go a little bit over the limits to try to get this podium." Uh, I just build up uh, with consistency and something solid from where I can start uh, yeah. to to go to the next level, to the next step. Uh, because this weekend I saw a solid ride uh, without taking so many risks. Uh, it wasn't uh, in front, uh, you know, in the picture. Uh, nobody yeah. noticed so much him this weekend. But yeah. till last weekend, everyone was looking at him. Arco was yeah. full of uh, fans for him. 
Switzerland, yeah. even uh, worse, of course. But everyone was looking at him as the favorite for the title. And it was really under the, the lights, under the spotlights. And is not the kind of uh, place where uh, it should be now. So he was able this weekend to get a little bit in the shade, to work yeah. pretty well. Solid first Yamaha at uh, the end of the weekend. So uh, this fourth place, I think, is... Uh, Something was or fifth, uh, uh, maybe I may, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, the yeah, overall fifth. was fifth. fifth. Overall. Yeah. yeah, best Yamaha on track in front of Calvin was something really solid, uh, yeah. solid points, solid bottles, uh, building a little bit his uh, standings, also position as uh, is important for him. And then we know that he's a kind of guy that is able to uh, come back, come back, come back at the end of the season. Yeah. Too late for the title, that's yeah. for sure. Now it's done, but still uh, the possibility to make good uh, results at the end of the season is there. And uh, okay, this year has gone like that, uh, but uh, it's not the kind of guy that will just put everything, you know, in the waste and yeah. say, okay, I, I give up. Uh, it's not the kind of uh, guy that uh, that will give up. I've, if I can to do a little mention, I wanted to do it on uh, Liam Everts. Yeah, yeah, as Liam had the horrible weekend, yeah. one of the, oh, yeah. probably the worst weekend you can imagine <laughs> on a track. Yeah. Uh, he crushed, I think, three times in the first race and one or two times in the second race. So he was always on the ground trying to take back his bike. Uh, he did quite a couple of good starts. He was messing up with his teammate at one point, uh, uh, and it was a kind of disaster. But I have to say also something good on him. Uh, because he didn't give up. When he crashed for the second or third time in the first moto, I was there where he crashed and he went down mm. for like three meters. It was horrible. That was I honestly scary. So scary. The bike did land on him. I was with my big lens with the 600 and I, I saw him crashing and I was, my God, what happened? Then I was, whoo, when, 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 I, when I saw him uh, getting back on his feet, and some people were coming there just to help him, you know, because the bike was stuck three meters yeah. down the track yeah. with the fences and everything. It was not possible to get out. And he stops. He said, no, guys, don't touch me. Don't touch the bike. Otherwise, I'm get disqualified. He took one and a half lap to come back from there. He did it and oh. he finished the race, even if he was 25th. He didn't give up. He finished his moto. And second moto, he crashed at the start and he went back to 11 without giving... He never gave up. Yeah. And it tells a lot to the people that think, oh, okay, he's the son of Stefan. That's why he's in a factory yeah. uh, team. That's why he had a good bike. But it's not only the son of Stefan Everts. It's Liam Everts and mm. he has plenty of... Uh, uh, will to succeed and of strength and uh, he, he don't give up and I was somehow a little bit surprised to see that he wanted to yeah. finish this model everyone else would yeah. have say okay the mechanic will take back the bike if yeah. he's able to do it because I'm done Yeah. no he was fighting to have his back by, bike back and going back on track finish yeah. the model and finishing yeah. that model without taking point uh, was somehow a risk and somehow also a waste of energy but yeah. mentally it's so yeah. important so, yeah, it's so honestly, good to say. I have to say chapeau to him because uh, that was on something 
fantastic uh, to yeah. to see from outside, you know. Yeah, it's such such a cool 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 little story and insight there, mate. Because you know, um, I spoke to him last week, and you got the sense that yeah, he knows. People think he, he did it the easy way, but it's like Deegan in America. You don't fake being a pro motocross racer. Like you have to do the work. You have to have the speed. You have to have yeah. the mentality. Like you got to want to do it. Like it doesn't come easy yeah. to you. So, and he was just saying, um, you know, with the various things at the start of the year, he basically said, yeah, I, I, I take responsibility. There's no excuses for my mistakes. I just need to be yes. better. Like it's a cool attitude to have for someone that, you know, obviously people say, you know, he's, he's been given an easier passage, but you got to do the work yeah. and you got to make it happen. So you still got to respect um, what he's doing. And that just elevates it, having that mental fortitude to yeah. come back. Because yeah, like you say, most people would have just walked away and said, I'm out, someone else yeah. can do it, yeah, which, yeah. which which, which probably most people okay. expect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everyone is, at, I mean, after one and a half lap, uh, you, 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 it's, it's why you will take your bike back from there and finish the mode. So, Many they will just have called the mechanic to take the bike yeah. back, but uh, no. And I have also to say, welcome back, welcome back to uh, Mitch Evans. That yes, was a pleasure I wanted to, to get your take. Good to see you. Ah, that was nice. Uh, yeah. The track yeah. was perfect for him. I, I I saw him before the start of the free practice, and I told him this track is perfect for your comeback because the flow, the ground, the kind of soil. And the jumps and everything was perfect for him. He did very well. Fantastic job. Okay, the feet is still not there. He's not fit enough. It's not. Uh, he doesn't have the rhythm of the moto. The level is so high. Yeah. But in the qualifying practice, that was in the qualifying race and in the practice, he was good. And second moto was. He was really tired. I think. And yeah. welcome back. I mean, welcome because it's the first time that he's riding in the MX2 class. To the little, 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 the mini coin and. Yeah. Because Sasha is so small, I think he's 45 kilos or something <laughs> like that. But it was amazing to see him on track, scoring good points uh, at his yep. first race uh, with this operation, with the shoulder problems and everything. Uh, we will see and talk a lot and hear a lot about this kid on both yep. sides of the ocean, here and on the other side. Yeah, yeah. James talked to him and I typed up the interview and put it on the site yesterday. And yeah, the, we put the headline pocket rocket and yeah, that's what he is. And and he, he's so good on the starts as well. So he, he said just, you know, just a weekend to get back into it because he had a pretty good preseason. Things were looking good and then the injury. And um, yeah. it's pretty cool to hear like him and his brother are really um, so tight, aren't they? Like they just like do everything together. It's like James said, do you watch yeah. the other MX2 guys? And he's like, no, nah, I pretty much only just watch my brother and some MXGP guys because <laughs> I just we just focus on ourselves and try and help each help each other out. And he spoke yeah. to Lucas afterwards, and he said the same thing. It's um, it's focusing on us, what we can do, how we can get better, and the rest kind of doesn't matter. It's just all about us, which is um, it's cool to see they have that was, brotherly uh, you know, love. It was a dolja GP, sir. It was, yeah. it was always there, okay, a part of the overseas, but he was always there, cheering for his brother, looking uh, how it's working, how it was doing, and uh, and. When he came into the free practice, he didn't stop at his uh, uh, pit, but he went in the one of his brother. Yeah. And it was nice to see Tony going there. Cairoli was there talking with them, giving a couple of advice. And uh, I don't know, it's a kind of family atmosphere that is really cool. And then they were talking really close with the father about uh, uh, how was the track and stuff like that. And it, it's cool. It's a good situation. And as I said... We will hear a lot from those two kids in in future, yeah. here and on the other side of the ocean. Yeah, and just um, we've probably got to let you go. 
pretty soon. But yeah, just a couple more thoughts on MX2. Obviously, we had Yago and, and Kai um, and Rowan filling out the podium. And, and Kai, is uh, he, that's what he wants to do, be on the podium on the days he can't win and keep banking those points just to just to keep as close as possible and to to keep working and and to just get that consistency, which has been the the, the problem really. And because he's got all the skill in yeah. the world, you know, there's not many more talented than him. And and how good was it to see Rowan back on the podium? Um, yeah, he's coming along after that shoulder injury in preseason, which is uh, he only had two weeks on the bike coming into the year, and he's just growing pretty well into the year. Um, really sort of calculated, um, intelligent, I guess you could say, approach to the season. He hasn't gone over his head. He's just steadily building and picking up the results. And then, yeah, Andrea and Simon in fourth and fifth, which is probably not where we want to see Simon, but having spoken to him, he, he's he's pretty content with it. Um, he just knows he needs to piece it all together on the weekend like his teammate, Matea. So pretty sort of we're yeah, seeing that sort of trend of those top five guys at the moment, aren't we? Yeah, so of <laughs> course. On Iago, there is not so much to say apart of what we said already. Uh, I, I hope, not for him, of course, but I hope he will not go in like that for all season because then it will be a little mess. You know, it's uh, <clears throat> we need to see big fights for the title. We need to see more people uh, in front uh, and uh, mixing up with him. Otherwise, the championship can be considered finished in the next five or six GPs. Then, okay, motocross, we know everything can happen in every moment, but... Uh, uh, I, I hope he deserves at the moment what, where he is, of course. I, as you said, nobody can say that he's not one of the most talented kids in the, in the pack. His riding style is fantastic. Uh, he's one of the few guys that the photographers are looking for during the warm-up or the free <laughs> practice, as he do always something special. Uh, the, the skills he has with his bike is uh, unbelievable. Uh, but it's amazing to see, for example, out of the bike, how this kid is sweet with, mm. uh, for example, Chase Cairoli, one of his yeah. bad friend, best friends, yeah. as they're always together. And he's looking for him, you know, uh, it, but in such a kind of tender way that is difficult to, to imagine when you see the kid riding uh, <laughs> happy for Rohan Van der Mosdijk. Oh, we know where he is. To me, he's an MXGP guy. Completely, is uh, too heavy and uh, probably a little bit too tight already for the MX2 compared yeah. to his teammate and to other young kids. Uh, but but Ron, we will talk about him in future in MXGP. I'm pretty sure because uh, out of injuries is is a really good talent. Uh, don't forget that he was the MX250 champion uh, in a really good way, uh, fighting with Alberto Forato, fighting with other good riders. But it's like Alberto uh, is another guy that needs a 450 uh, yeah. under his legs. And uh, then Simon, I was surprised in the second moto as he did a fantastic start. Yeah. And for a first third of the race, he was following the pace of uh, Iago, doing a little bit like uh, matching the lap times, even the yeah. quicker lap times. And then, I don't know what happened. I mean, I was flying with him again, uh, coming back from Portugal. And he yeah. said, no, it was okay. I was just not in that rhythm and I could not mm. follow that rhythm. But when Iago is going away, I understand. When the other two are coming, mm. chasing you and passing you a little less because he must have this kind of speed. I mean, Iago is probably at the moment on another planet, is uh, yeah. doing another job. But the other one are on his level for me. 
Simon is a podium contender for all the races. Uh, Andrea was uh, a little bit less good than what we, we think about coming there, right. but Andrea is building up a very good season. He's second at the moment mm. in, in standing. Spain will be good for him. But I'm tr start thinking that he, with all this training in Belgium, probably start liking more when the tracks are more soft and yeah. when uh, more demanding physically and a little bit quick than uh, than than, than uh, was Agda this weekend. Uh, the one who surprised me negatively was uh, Thibaut Beristan. Oh, was I was going to ask you, mate. Up. Yeah, what? Not a great week. Just well, didn't that... look comfortable, did he? Yeah, but he was looking so comfortable in the free practice. It was yeah. first easy, riding well, riding smooth. And and I wrote uh, after the free practice, uh, the Frenchies are looking for the GP because uh, Roman was doing the same. Yeah. Maxime was quite good, not not that in front, but was quite good. And then it was a big disaster for, for Thibault, who was losing a lot of points without a, third, with a 13th place in the first moto and eight in the second. That was a kind of disaster for him mm. due to the fact that he's... He want to beat his teammate. That's clear. He wanted last year. He want again this year. He want to beat his teammate. Sometime he is able to do it, but you need more consistency. Maybe he was sick. Maybe some trouble. I don't know. But still, that was not really his weekend. Eh? That was a kind of really difficult one. Yeah, it's, it's it was strange seeing because I you know we probably figured heading in that he'd be one of the guys to watch out for for at least a podium you know every weekend but especially on a harder track like that um, yeah where the French guys shine but it was it was certainly different to see that but yeah, hopefully he recovers this weekend he should suit that track pretty well big ruts you know the the Frenchies are pretty yeah. good and Renault obviously won there last year too but um, yeah I think just just a couple more guys in MX two I think um, yeah and Pansar definitely. Shout out to him getting eighth overall and Elzinger in seventh and and Hogmo as well and Harrop. They're all coming on and Braceris is sort of, he's building a bit of momentum and good to see Gifting and Bruce out there too. Um, One guy I thought might, he probably expected more was Turndell. Obviously, you'd probably, you know, yes. he'd, 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 he'd probably he'd, expecting he'd, a bit yeah. more. Yeah, yeah, of course, uh, a little bit more. Uh, it was a good one, really good one for Panzer, who was... Yeah. Uh, Third in the practice, uh, then he was doing a fantastic qualifying race. Uh, uh, was was always good during the week, uh, the weekend, and he was good also during the, the motos. Even if there is a little lack of uh, uh, performance and pace uh, uh, on the rhythm, but don't forget that these are absolutely private. Uh, yes, him, his father, and a camper. Yes. That's his team. His her, his mother sometime. But they are alone. Huh? His father is his mechanic, his trainer is probably cook for him. And there are two people. One camper, one little trailer, two bikes, even not a tent. Not it's not common today. Yeah. And to do what he's doing. Uh I'm I'm doing pictures for him as I'm trying to help him with, with nothing, but uh, with something. Yeah. Uh and 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 I know him a little bit. Since he was working uh, with another team, Italian team, uh, and uh, now he's training, uh, of course, not in this moment, but this winter he was training a long time with uh, team Geyser yeah. in, uh, in Slovenia. And he has grown a lot. Uh, and, and he's Italian champion in charge of MX2 at the moment. Uh, he was winning last year the title. And every year he's growing. I'm so surprised that he don't find a ride. Yeah. Uh, 
maybe because he's really shy, he's not asking, he's not talking with anybody, nobody's talked to him, he's always in the corner, and he's never he doesn't have someone probably taking care about him uh, on the contracts and stuff like that. He has three or four sponsors from Slovenia. Yeah. With that he's he's happy, he's enough, and, and he's there, but he's doing so well with his private bike KTM. Let's show the KDM is a good standard bike. Yeah, of course. He's the help of Akrapovic because they come from the same country. And yeah. but, but he's doing everything by with his father. That's all. Uh if you take the neighbor, uh, I mean, like the KTM factory team, how yeah. many people work there, how many talents they are there, how many money they put on there, and you look at the performance, I think that finishing behind him for a factory yeah. rider of every team yeah. is always a big, big, big mess because is is unbelievable. So that's a beautiful story, and uh, yeah. uh, thanks to talk about him and to ask him about him because uh, sometimes we forget that. Yeah, I remember also... hearing about him on the MXGP. Sorry, just MXGP show. He did the studio show, which you also did, I believe, in Argentina. But he was yes. saying it was a it was a bit of a balancing act between weighing up whether you stick with your program and your sponsors that have um you know put their faith in you and trust in you, or you don't make the leap to a team. Whereas if it doesn't go yeah. so well you've kind of burnt the bridges a little bit. So it's um maybe it's a good idea to stay with the with the with the program. But I didn't I definitely didn't know it was that small a program, mate. It's definitely yes. um running on a very it's tight shoe. Yes. It's um, honestly it's unbelievable. It's it's something that yeah you cannot believe if you till you don't see uh what they are doing and with how much it's 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 impressive. Uh yeah. Tondel uh, was supposed to make to make better. To me it it, it doesn't fit well with the bike yet the bike is good of course uh they have also some factory support i don't know if also for his bike for albertos for sure yeah uh, but uh but he's still uh, uh trying to to find the right balance with the bike because this kid is really good huh? he was riding mm. pretty well in fantic in the european championship and but he's a little bit lost uh, and he get he was injured i hope not nothing so bad for him i didn't watch the uh but I saw him going away with the ambulance, so with the uh, with the stroll. So I don't know that that wasn't that good. Uh, but it was a difficult weekend for him also. So it's one of the the ones that uh, will not uh, say probably that the new Agda is so good. Yeah, and um, just uh, just one more take on the F and H boys. Um, obviously they've sort of been Hogmo's. He knows he can do better than that, and he showed he's got immense speed and. And Bracera said, just sort of, he's just building on. They probably the expectations aren't super high for him. It's just a learning year and getting his feet under yeah. the table. But there's sort of positives and, and negatives to take from from their start to the season. Obviously, Mark, the trainer, who's always yeah. a lively character, and probably he's always got some great thoughts <laughs> yeah. uh, on, on the sport of motocross in general. And um, you've mentioned yes. about his riding in the past and how good on the sand, what a legend he is. And um, yeah, yeah, he's probably do you reckon he's happy yeah. with things at the moment. Yeah, I think I think that uh, Mark is not completely happy with how it's going. Uh, he would like to say probably some more improvements, uh, really, in the results, as uh, as is is Mark is giving hundred uh, percent like always he has done in his career uh, in every everything he has done. The team is a really good one. The bikes are quite good. I mean, uh, but the results to me are not at uh, the level uh, of the expectation of at the beginning of the season. There is a little lack of uh, of uh, result in uh, in what they're doing. Sometimes they are improving a little bit. Sometimes they are doing uh, kind of mistakes or not good results. Uh, 
I hope to see them more in front. Uh, don't forget the last year we had very good results with both Orgmo and Harup that now is uh, yeah. on, on KTM, but uh, it, it was on, on uh, Kawasaki and they were there scoring podiums uh, quite often. Uh, so it's a kind of uh, probably a, a kind of difficult moment for them. Uh, Spain is there for Braceras. Uh, that would be interesting to see how he's, uh, he's uh, responding to, to his public uh, and to the OMGP. Uh, I expect to see them more. Um, to me, Orgmo was last year already uh, maybe not a title contender, but yeah. a consistent top five guy uh, because uh, he always showed good speed and uh, sometimes a little too many mistakes on track, but uh, uh, it's a kind of top rider in MX2. But he has to prove now. Uh, it's a time to, 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 to be more consistent. So I think it's his last year too, isn't it? So he's really got to yes. start putting those results in like like Van Mo- Van der Moselijk was saying you need you need to put them in now because it's sort of the wheels start rolling pretty soon as uh, there's also, sort of time, then time waits for no tough, one. Eh? then it will be really tough uh, in the main class uh, uh, to 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 put you under the light uh, and to find a good deal because mm. all those kids have to find a good deal yes yeah, not many riders will stop the next year eh? maybe yeah. Alessandro is 38 maybe will stop maybe not uh, but there are not many riders that will stop. So, not easy to find a good spot for next season in MX2 class. And this, yeah. again, I think uh, we will see many more uh, officially approved team uh, doing the season with the top riders and this kind of second line of riders with the private uh, that are w- considered as a wild cards at every GP. And when uh, there are more than 40, they have to get qualified yeah. and, and stuff like that. They don't do overseas races. Uh, it's a count, kind of uh, uh, first league and second league, you know what yeah. I mean, uh, that doesn't even mix up yeah. uh, because uh, the riders that are officially approved are on, honestly on another level. Yeah. Uh, I, difficult to say... Uh, see this year a rider coming from uh, the qualifying practice for the non-official approved team riders mixing then with the, the top riders. So yeah. I think that this second category of the MXGP will be even busy, busiest next year. Yeah, obviously you got the when you know get those guys that you know British Championship teams that come to do the select rounds or yeah. like a Saholtz KTM with Sterry and Jacoby, like um, even getting top twenty for those guys like Sterry did in both motos and at Trentino, it's it's an impressive effort because yeah, it's yeah channeling all your attention to your domestic championship and then mixing it with that it's uh it's not an easy task and it's and like with the British guys like Bobby Bruce and and Adamson and um, Grimshaw and these kind of guys that chance their arm it's it's the only way you can do it, I guess, to get a taste of the level and to yeah. try and improve yourself. Cause they, they, it's, you know, it's admirable effort that the guys do that, you know, and it's good to see guys like Jessica back at some races. Cause he's always a good dude to have around, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And he did a very good race in the Italian championship last week. Uh, but still, uh, when your team support you, but, uh, cannot afford uh, a transfer, like, uh, going to Portugal because it's really far. Uh, it takes out a lot from you because uh, those kids, those I mean, riders, they really need to ride uh, the the most as possible and going to the starting gate as much as possible to build up uh, uh, really the pace, 
the race pace and the rhythm to be there. Uh, if you see what Jeffrey's doing every weekend, uh, racing, 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 uh, to be at the top, it means that's so important in motocross to ride and to take starts. Uh, it's completely different from road racing where uh, you ride only during the GP and yeah. you do few tests only. But uh, in motocross, uh, you can train every day, but till you're not on the gate, even of a national championship, is different yeah. because uh, our race is really different. I yeah. remember talking with Andrea Dovizioso and he said, you know, when I'm riding in my track during the uh, the weekend the, or the week uh, without, alongside with other riders that do national championship or even regional championship, I ride like them. I'm on the same pace. Uh, I'm not so far. I'm talking about regional championship and some Italian championship, you know. Yeah. But uh, while I'm going to the to the gate and it's uh, uh, race day, I'm not able to qualify in the top forty. I'm doing the uh -huh. group B because race is race, and I'm not used to race since I was a kid, a, a young kid, uh, like eight years old. So I, I lost complete this kind of attitude, and for us, it's difficult to understand. But for a, for a motocross rider, for a pro, the race is the only true, real uh, train that you can uh, do yeah. for, for being at the top level. Yeah, that's a good point you make because um, often some people can get lost in, in losing track of some of the guys that are, you know, around the around the 15 to 20, like your Ostlands and your Ruziorgs. And like, those guys are superbly fast, like they're absolute weapons. Yes. It's just, they're not a hurling's <laughs> weapon. But if you if you put them on any track in, in anywhere, you'd be like, oh, crap, you know, they're so fast. But just the world yeah. championship level is extreme, isn't it? Yes, it is. It is absolutely. When you go looking at some some training days of some kid that you even never saw on a world championship and you see them riding, you say, wow, those guys are fantastic and have some kind of skills that uh, you you don't buy it, you know, you, you have it or not. But then going to the gate, going to the world championship level, MX2, MXGP, doesn't matter. Even now, those days, EMX250, the level of the first oh. 10 riders is amazing. You have kids that were riding in MX2 are coming back to EMX 250 like Kai Karsamakers that is one of the biggest talent out there for the future again Kane is not able to go regularly on the podium uh, he goes some time and he never win this year even in the sand so uh, it's the level is impressive yeah and um, just a quick really quick um, we'll do the EMX 250 just a quick chat and then we'll do the predictions and then we'll, we'll let you go mate because we could talk forever <laughs> But um, yeah, that 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 class is actually really, really stacked. Really good racing. Um, yeah, Bonacorsi, Kai's Marcus, and and, and Zanke filling out the podium. Those uh, those Zanke and Rossi, those KTM's, uh, they're looking really fast. And good to see Prunier's um back up there. He's obviously had injuries, uh, shoulder injury, I believe, and and Resilus yeah. is, is fast and latter. And one man I wanted to get your take on who, um, he did really well in the Spanish Championships. He's another man that got injured. Um, Nielsen. Um, yeah, he was fast racing those Conan guys in that. I think it was Monte Ariagon. Um, I probably butchered that pronunciation, but yeah, yeah he was so no, no, fast there. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah and, it's, it's a it's it's a good talent. Again, it's one one of the guy that uh, can perform well. I uh, will not be surprised to see Andrea again going for the victory. The one who impressed me more last weekend was Marc Antoine Rossi, because yeah. he was the fastest on track. That okay, Andrea. 
uh, in race was different. And um, Rossi did a couple of mistakes or had a bad luck, some crashes at the start, and he, he messed up a little bit with this. But uh, during the practice, it was unbelievable to see at, at which speed he was able to do the corners. Rossi was the corner in front of the pit lane on the coming back just three corners before the finish line. He was touching the ground with everything, probably the shoulder, the elbow, the <laughs> knee, the bike, the the, the, the handlebar. He, he, I don't know how he could stay on his foot, but every time he was going so wild that nobody else was so fast. Him, him okay. and Zanke looked like they were giving it a good push, didn't they? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was, was unbelievable. So... Uh, to me, the results of the race uh, is a little bit uh, uh, is, is not saying the truth completely because Andrea was fantastic. Uh, Karsemakers was doing well, but again, he has a problem also uh, in the first moto. So, and Rossi, he wasn't on the podium, but to me, he had the speed to stay of at least second or third. Uh, Ferruccio is growing, is uh, keep growing. Uh, you know, he's working uh, also in with. Uh, Jackie Vimon and this team is working very very well. Mm. Uh, not it's not uh, they had the chance to be junior factory team uh, with KTM, so they have a very good material. They have fantastic person in there. Uh, one is Pelarene, the, the Enduro World Champion. I know him since uh, the late 2008, 9, 10, while he was riding uh, in motocross with Suzuki. And uh, this this guy is so nice person and uh, so professional. He was, I think, world champion in MX3 before he going to Enduro. And it's a kind of really uh, good person at the good place at the right moment. Uh, so um, this team is... I look at this team with kind of... Uh, uh, yeah, respect because they are doing very well. Uh, again, I, as I said, I hope that Valerio will be able to ride well, but the knee injury yeah. uh, will uh, take a little time before to recover. So I think he will be back in a better shape uh, the next round after Spain. I hope he can just stay there, mixing in a top five. Podium is not realistic at the moment. Top five, top six would be a great result. Uh, with the knee problems. Uh, uh, Ferruccio, he showed that he's able to do whatever he wants, wherever he wants, because uh, it's a kind of really quick guy. Before, he was doing always big mistakes. Now, he's more consistent to podium in a row. It's uh, it's it's a good uh, uh, it's a good momentum. Yeah. He showed that it's a good momentum. Karsemakers is always uh, doing well, but of course, Andrea is the favorite uh, also in Spain and is the favorite for the for the final victory, even if now he loves more the sand compared to the hard pack. That's for sure, uh, because Andrea is a sand rider. Uh, absolutely. What makes it strange, if you imagine that he is born in the mountains uh, yeah. of Bergamo, where they all ride only enduro. Yeah, yeah he's, he's impressive, isn't he? He's, he's definitely sort of like, uh, he's separated himself from the pack and um, the speed's immense. Yes. But um, yeah, quickly moving on to the predictions for... For Spain, mate, who, who have we got? We've got we've got a pretty tough weekend ahead. Um, I'm gonna yes. go gonna go Renault to get to win again. Um, there like he did last year. Um, obviously good memories for him. So we'll go Renault, Prado, and Hurlings for MXGP. And uh, I think for MX2, we probably it's gonna be a tough one, but you can't really go against Yago. So we'll go Yago, <laughs> no. Simon, and and Beniston to have a comeback. Cool. That's a, that's a really cool one. I see in MX2 also Iago in front as his uh, 
easy, but the uh, moment is the, the stronger. I want to put, of course, uh, Simon in second place. I mean, Beniston in second place. So double uh, for uh, for Yamaha with Simon on third step. Yeah. Uh, difficult to yeah. take out some uh, Squarna from the podium uh, too, but uh, kind of soil, kind of track uh, can suit better to French, Italia. Andrea also eh, can uh, can be in the mood, but yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. say like this, those three are okay for me. MXGP, first victory of the year because uh, we need the first victory of the year and it will be Romain Fevre yes. <laughs> to score the victory. On like this kind it. of soil, but we not cannot take out Prado from the podium for the first time of the year. So Prado second with um, Prado third with Jeffrey second. Yeah, well said, mate. It's going to be uh, they, they get harder by the week. These predictions, that's for sure. And um, <laughs> I'd like to uh, thank thank you for joining us again, mate. I really appreciate it. And I'll just quickly give a shout out to AS3 Performance Parts, the home of aftermarket motocross and enduro parts from hardware and protection parts including skid plates and radiator braces to performance cooling parts, including silicone radiator hoses and oversized impeller kits. AS3 have a huge range of brake, clutch and gear levers, all with different features and adjustability as well. Check them out online at as3performance.co.uk. And then Kawasaki Motors UK, we're definitely highlighting the uh, KLX 140R range, the easy-to-ride 140R range, offers up a 144cc engine plus suspension, and push-button electric start making for great trailblazers. So comes in a range of sizes, juniors, adults, whatever you're looking for, That that's a great bike for, for anyone wanting to um, twist the throttle. So thanks again, Lorenzo, mate. Any closing thoughts? And um, cheers for taking the time. Thank you too, Ed. It was a big, big pleasure for me. I hope to come back soon. Yeah, mate, we'll uh, try to make it a weekly thing uh, when we can. And uh, all the best for the weekend in Spain, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot.